0: Hello and welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. My name is J.R. Everhart. I will be your host today. Some call me pastor, some call me minister, most call me friend. Uh, Today, we're going to kind of address uh, the idea that a lot of uh, non Christian people, you know, have this opinion of. Uh, of God that, you know, they think he's a jerk. A lot of people get lost in the complexities of the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> we've most recently uh, seen uh, some, some Christian leaders uh, walk away from the faith and walk away from uh, their ministries, you know, and things like that. Um, you know, getting hung up on some of these things of the Old Testament Uh, And basically just feeling like God is a jerk and can't seem to reconcile that, you know, in their walk and in their faith with Christ. Um, And I mean, that's understandable, you know, but instead of running from, you know, the conversation, uh, which is sort of the easy way out with anything we face in life. Um, we really need to just dig in deeper and, you know, search for real answers. Now, I know some people would argue that, um, they have done exactly that and come to, you know, a flat conclusion. Uh, but I would challenge you to dig a little deeper, you know, and not give up on God because he's never given up on you. Um, so we're today, we're going to just kind of try to debunk the idea of why is God such a jerk? Um, we're going to dig into some some uh deep questions that are going to uh hit some nerves and going to you know um, hopefully bring answers to the table that many people are are struggling with and uh the the biggest thing and I deal with this in in my counseling ministry I deal with this with just you know friends I have inside the faith. Uh, every bit as much as people I talk to outside the faith, with why does God let bad things happen to good people? Why does God let you know natural disasters happen? You know, a lot of people inside the faith get hung up on the fact that you know God commanded the Israelites to you know destroy the Canaanites when they were taking over the Promised Land, all the way down to women and children and stuff like that. They really get hung up on um, you know on those those concepts of the Old Testament not understanding uh really the the true character of God the enemy is really good at getting us to cherry pick things out of the Bible that kind of rubs us wrong and then we sort of fixate on that and ruminate on that to a point to where uh that's all we can see in the Bible is is a negative outcome and when he when you've adopted that idea and that mindset toward the word then the enemy's kind of won um he's kind of got you right where he wants you because he can defer your faith when you quit putting your faith in the Bible and quit putting your faith in God. Uh, but i got good news. The answers are all right there in the Bible. You know, um, you just gotta be diligent enough and hungry enough to want to know the real deal truth of what's going on, uh, in the scriptures to understand these things. Um, I mean that's why discipleship is so important. That's why it's so important to be part of a a small group where you can really dig into theological subjects like this and um be part of a uh, a group that pushes progressive sanctification and uh you know takes you from an infant stage to an adolescent stage to you know the varsity level of um your walk with Christ so you can go and spread that truth and that knowledge with you know others i mean that's that's what we're called to do to go into the highways and the byways and spread this good news of the gospel i read in an article just a couple of days ago somebody saying that you know how come you know the bible makes no sense to me cuz god is such a jerk in the old testament and killing people and there's all this violence and blood and all that kind of stuff and animal sacrifice and you know all that kind of junk going on uh, and then, you know, like overnight, you know, he's this loving, graceful, merciful person through what Christ did on the cross. And, you know, what they're failing to do is connect the dots between all those things or make any effort to really dig in and understand why God has done some of the things he has done uh, with what he's revealed to us in scripture. Now, let me preface this conversation with this. Um you have to come to the table with with a few things in place you know first of all we are not god and his ways are not our ways that's scripture you know he doesn't think the way we think he doesn't you know judge the way we judge because our judgment is corrupt his judgment is always just you know, so you got to establish some facts there. We tend to be very egotistical control freaks who feel entitled to have the answers to everything in life, otherwise we feel like we 've been victimized somehow and that 's really that 's really not not biblically in any way, shape, form, or fashion about how you know god uh God does things he He is not any more than we are concerned what the ant thinks when we dig up its ant farm to build a house or to pave a highway or something like that. Um, not that we are ants that God's trying to squish because that's not at all what the Bible lays out, but just that he is sovereign <clears throat> and he, he's he got a better angle on things than what we do. So let's dig into the nuts and bolts of this. Uh, first of all, Let's let's talk about the idea of, you know, the Canaanites and, and this old Testament thing, you know, of uh, you know, violence and stuff like that. The Bible tells us, um and archaeology tells us in great detail that the Canaanites were very evil people, you know. Um they were they were what we would probably categorize as, you know, an occult form of Uh, pagan worship in today's standards uh, on steroids. You know, I mean, they were doing child sacrifice. Uh, There was all kinds of crazy, just nastiness uh, going on there. And, uh, you know, God is for anyone who believes in him and desires to follow his statutes. So this idea of Israel having to go and annihilate what some may try to say was genocide, which it wasn't because he didn't end the Canaanite civilization. He just ended that community of Canaanites um, because it had become so corrupt for the same reasons that, you know, he uh, destroyed everybody but Noah and his family during the flood, you know, Uh, for the same reasons we marched into Germany and, you know, destroyed the, the, the communists, you know, Nazis. You know, for the same reason we hunt, you know, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the radical Muslims that are, you know, trying to kill innocent people. You know, God is never going to sit by idly and not judge those who spill innocent blood. And the Canaanites were, you know, very well known for that. Um, You know, in fact, if later on, like in Joshua, you know, you read that God saved this Canaanite prostitute named Rahab who just loved God and believed that God was the God most high and worthy to be praised and wanted to line her life up with uh how he wanted to change her and restore her to the point to where she ended up being King David's grandmother you know in the lineage of Jesus you know so and that's a foreshadowing of what we see in the New Testament of how uh, Christianity, you know, began and God's grace and mercy was opened up for the to the Gentiles. So the overwhelming theme throughout the whole Bible is that God is for those who seek Him, and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, and a protector of those who seek Him and 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 live under the safety of of His wings but is an enemy to the center is an enemy to those living in rebellion and spilling innocent blood uh sometimes that blood isn't even liquid blood it's the blood of the heart the blood of the emotion the blood of psycho- psychological stability you know those who are are abusive to other people god god just does not stand by idly and let those things go unaccounted for. Now, they may not be judged and accounted for in the time we think they should be, but I can tell you, just from life experience, I've never seen, and my father was real famous for saying, you can never get away with doing evil because it's always gonna catch up to you. The Bible says whatever's hidden in darkness will be revealed in the light. So even in my own personal life and the things that I've seen, the people I've been around, no one gets away with anything, myself included, you included, that's just the way it goes. And then when you wanna weigh what happened to the Canaanites you know, by the hands of the Israelis, against how God judged his own people throughout the Old Testament. He judged his own people much harsher than he did the Canaanites. You know, I mean, he, you know, when when Moses come down off the mountain with the first uh, version of the law and found the people worshiping a golden calf, man, the earth opened up in a mighty earthquake and, and swallowed up a third of them. You know, that was Israeli people who died that day. You know, God does not tolerate idol worship, you know, and that kind of stuff, and anything that spills the blood or is in a state of abuse of the human human spirit, he is against that in every way, you know, every way, shape, and, you know, fashion, you know? I mean, it just is what it is. Um, you know, so then, you know, you go on, the Jews end up being enslaved by Egypt, you know, for 400 years, I mean... Um time and time again, Jerusalem was overrun, burnt down to the ground in Jesus' day they were enslaved by the Roman Empire, you know so I mean God judged his own people way harsher than he judged anybody else, you know um, and it took the sacrifice of Christ on the cross to get us in right standing with God again, you know uh, before that, It was, you know, spilling the blood of animals and you know things like that. And what really jerks my chain about, you know, today's hypersensitive, you know, uh, ideals about, you know, the Bible is that they want to stand. People want to stand in judgment and say, "Well, the Ten Commandments say thou shalt not murder," but then he commands Israel to, to kill the Canaanites. When, you know, our modern society is killing the unborn baby by the hundreds of thousands every year and they don't seem to have a problem with that. You know, people will band together, raise money and go, you know, live in foreign lands to, you know, save the whales or to save baby seals or to save anything like that, but yet they got no problem with abortion. We we're getting things backwards here, guys. You know, an airplane crash happens and you know, 200 people die and 10 people survive. And they're like, well, why did God allow 200 people to die and then these 10 people to survive? You know, God's such a bad, horrible person or a horrible God for, for allowing that to happen. Well, there's a, a variety of things that you have to take into account when you start pointing fingers at God. You know, first of all, the world as we know it today was not his original plan. The Garden of Eden was his original plan. It wasn't until man decided to rebel against God and eat the forbidden fruit that all these other things became a domino effect of that one sin. It says by one man, all of you know creation and all of humanity fell into a state of sin. Through one man, all of humanity was redeemed. That was Jesus. Adam is where we fell, Jesus is where we were redeemed. But. Creation has yet to be redeemed. It says, I believe in Psalms that all of creation cries out for the lifting of this curse so that they can, you know, they want us to, the trees, the animals, everything has a spirit. It doesn't have a soul. It's not going to give an account for its actions and be judged before God. But everything has a spirit and God has breathed life into everything. Um, And it is all crying out for Jesus' return so that the curse can be lifted from that. Well, It says in the last days that there'd be mighty earthquakes and and floods and, you know, signs in the sky and volcanoes and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's creation crying out, you know, for for God's return. And people want to make God the author of so much death and destruction in this world when it's either coming from the fact that the world is in a state of unrest and in a state of living out the curse from Adam and Eve— or it's people falling victim to someone else's free will to do evil and like we don't have a problem understanding that when we're asking for forgiveness for some mark that we missed but we have huge problems you know believing that when suffering comes knocking on our door And none of us are exempt from suffering. None of us are exempt from bad things happening to us. Bad things can happen to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how holy you think you are or how close to God you think you are. Bad things happen to good people. I believe that God stands there and weeps with us As we walk through that, and gives us strength to walk through that, gives us perseverance to be able to overcome those things. It's in those times we lean the hardest on God to be able to have our faith strengthened and be able to walk through the the valley of the shadow of death. It says, I will fear no evil, Psalms 23, you know that he will he will lay me down in green pastures. He's going to he's going to give me rest in the midst of the storm, but we have to believe in him to do that. So God really is is not the jerk that that the enemy tries to convince you that he is. His ways just isn't our ways. He's always going to go to bat for those that seek and love him and those that are trying to do right. All of God's law is in place because he loved us enough to share with us the things that would take us to a point of destruction and bondage. And that's what the law lays out. That's what the Ten Commandments tell us. But he is always going to be the enemy to those who victimize, abuse, and spill the blood of innocent people. And this isn't a game, guys. I know this stuff seems barbaric to us in our modern day society. And you know, we live in a society now where the modern church is preaching hyper grace and telling you that God's okay with your sin and you know, Jesus did everything that had to be done for your sins, there's no, you don't have to, you know, change the way you live or, or try to honor God with your lifestyle or anything like that. But that's that's not the truth, guys. Yes, Jesus paid the price for all of our sin. But we have a responsibility to be seeking holiness each and every day, and holiness is earned. Salvation is a gift, holiness is earned. Holiness comes through living a life pleasing to God. And look, this is coming from a guy who fails all the time at seeking holiness. But my heart and my motivation is correct. I am trying to fix my heart on the things of God, and my motivation is to be the best version of me I can be. It doesn't surprise God when I fail. And I fail a lot. But it's the condition of my heart and my motives that define who I am. I'm not out here living in rebellion, saying, well, you know, God can forgive me, so I'm just gonna live whatever life I wanna live and, you know, not worry about it. And then you have this idea where people just are trying to figure out what is the absolute bare minimum they can do to get into heaven so that they can live the life they wanna live. The reality of that is, is you're never going to get to, you know, the place of victory to that varsity level of, um, you know, following Christ until you let go of everything. It it takes unconditional surrender. There's no other way around it. Unconditional surrender, giving all your hopes and dreams and love and passion and everything that is important to you in your life, you've got to give it to God and lay it on the altar and say, Lord, here it is. Do with it what you want. And that's tough. That's not an easy process. It's not easy to lay your flesh on on a daily cross and drive nails into it and you know, not give your flesh what it wants when it's crying out for it all day long when it's you know trying to drag you into a hole of temptation or trying to rob you of your freedom and your and your uh and in the restoration God has established in your life. But you know what? Your flesh didn't get saved. You did. This meat sack we call a body that is our flesh is going back to the dirt that it came from when you die. But you will live on. The Bible says you'll get a new body when you go to heaven. So don't be surprised when your flesh doesn't want to line up with what the Bible says to do. We all struggle with that. No one's exempt from it. We all struggle with that. We all have our own cross to bear. We all have our own, you know, flaws and negative habit patterns and things to to deal with. Every one of us. It's through God's grace and mercy that we're made whole. But it's through our efforts to stay plugged in to our our church families and to, to our Christian community that God has led us to that, you know, keeps us victorious in this world. You know, God's not looking to come down here and squash us because we struggle with sin. You know, I mean, those days are over. That That was an Old Testament, you know, idea that needed a solution. Jesus was that solution. But the Old Testament gives us a very clear idea of how God feels about sin. And he's not okay with it. He made the ultimate sacrifice by sending his only son here to die for us. That's how much he loves us. If you can't see his love and his grace and mercy in protecting the innocent and judging the wicked, then you just have a distorted view of God. And, you know, I know people inside and outside the faith who have been trying to figure out God and Christianity and and all this stuff their whole lives, and they get hung up on these things because the enemy has blinded them of the enormous amounts of grace, mercy, and compassion that God had all throughout the Old Testament. Not once did, did his people screw up that he didn't pursue them and try and get them back into a place of right standing with him. When Adam sinned, God knew he sinned. He chased him down in the garden. Where you at, Adam? Hello, where you at? When Cain killed Abel, he went to Cain. Hey, Cain, where you at? What's going on? Where's your brother? He constantly pursuing them. When the Jews were enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years, he could have totally give up on the Jews and just let them rot there. No, what'd he do? He sent Moses to free them. He's constantly pursuing us in our junk and wants to pull purpose out of that and wants to bring us to a place of right standing with him. But he's given us free will, and he's never going to force us to make the right decision. We have to do that on our own. There's no way around it. So before we get on our high horse and start pointing fingers and judging God, we need to take a hard look in the mirror because humanity has done some pretty ugly things over the years. You know, right now, the political thing is a real hot topic. You know, at no other point in our history do I think we've been as divided as what we are right now. Maybe we were a little more divided during the Civil War over the slavery, you know, idea, but... I don't know. It just seems like that we are hugely divided. You know, you're either conservative or you're liberal or you're Democrat or you're Republican or whatever it is you want to call yourself. But that division is not leading us anywhere positive. And the enemy is using that to push his agenda. It isn't God's will for us to live this way, guys. It's God's will for us to love him first, make him the Lord of our life, and then do good to each other, love each other. But we have to understand that freedom and liberty comes with a price. It's always going to take somebody to stand up against a big bad wolf to keep him from breaking in your home and stealing all the things that you love and that you've worked for your whole life. We did it with the Germans. We did it with the Japanese. We're currently doing it now with with radical Islam. And we will continue to do that to protect our freedoms. Well, God did the exact same thing in the Old Testament to protect the innocent to judge those who are spilling innocent blood. Too many times it seems like we're the problem, not God, because we have this distorted view of who he is, and we are so arrogant that we feel like, you know, we are supposed, like God's supposed to just come down here and sit down, set us down and tell us, you know, the answers to everything. Well, if you got the answers to everything, what do you need God for? You know, I deal with this in recovery all the time. I cannot help people who feel like they have all their own answers and want to dictate their own recovery. I will walk away from a person like that in a second and offer no assistance whatsoever because it's a waste of time. I've been down that rabbit hole before and it leads nowhere. I call it climbing ladders that lead nowhere. Because you can't help somebody who won't submit to the program and won't submit to those who can look into their life without addiction, controlling them, and tell you how to get from point A to point B. And if you can't submit to that process, you're never going to get sober. Well, guys, those principles apply to our faith, too. If we can't submit to the idea that there's a God that knows better than us and is looking out for our best— and we might not always understand why he does what he does, but we are, you know, have faith that what he's doing is for our best, then how can, we, how can we be followers of Jesus Christ? How can we be followers of God? You can't be a follower if you're not following somebody. And when you're following somebody, you're not questioning every move they make. You're in submission to their authority. We don't have to have all the answers, guys. You can't have faith if you have all the answers. Faith is not knowing. Faith is built on the hope of the things that we can't see, and it's the evidence of the things that we desire. Guys, that's 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 my message today. You know, I'm seeing people fall from the faith that are you know celebrity-level people in in the Christian community. And it's hard to see, but, you know, the Bible says that in the last day, many will be deceived and many will fall away. And I believe we are in the midst of a great falling away. And, guys, there's never been a time in our lives that we, you know, that it's been more important, you know, that we submit ourselves to the Lord and try to walk, you know, the best walk that we can walk. You know, the end time is here. It may not happen in my lifetime, but it's coming and Jesus is coming. And my question is always, you know, what are you going to say when it's just you and him, when you have to stand before him and you have to say, Hey, You know, I am who I am because of what this person did to me, or I am who I am, or I made all these mistakes because of this, or, you know, I I couldn't, I could never become a Christian because I couldn't get past the fact that you're a bloody violent God. There's not going to be anybody there at that that judgment seat to, to blame your problems on no one. And your ignorance is not going to be an excuse because if you're listening to this podcast, you're being told right now that if those are the things you're believing, you're believing a lie and you need to need to dig deeper and you need to get hungry for real truth in Jesus Christ. So you're not going to be able to stand there and say that you didn't know because God is going to remind you of all these kind of times that he reached into your life and tried to show you that, Hey, I was trying to lead you to the truth. You were the one that was resistant. Depart from me, you doer of iniquity, for I never knew you. I have lived the last 10 years of my life trying to make amends with people and trying to be the best person that I can be so that when I stand before God, I have no bitterness in my heart. I have no hatred in my heart. And I'm ready to stand there showered in in Jesus' blood sacrifice from Calvary and for Jesus to be able to stand up and say, I paid the price for this guy's sin. And his walk wasn't perfect, but he never gave up believing in me. And he never gave up the faith that I was enough for no matter what the world threw at him. And then that's when God is going to say, enter in my good and faithful servant. God isn't looking for perfection, guys. He's looking for a pure heart focused on him. It's really that simple. There's no way you can lose if you just come to that conclusion. Maybe that's where you're at. You know, maybe these are the things that's been hanging you up for for decades. (laughs) Maybe this is the moment that God chose for you to surrender your life to him. Look, God's not asking you to, you know, join a church and become part of some Sunday morning social club. What he's doing is he's inviting you into a personal relationship with him and asking you, to couple yourself with the people he brings across your path, who truly believe the Bible, who are truly trying to walk out what the Bible teaches. There are good churches out there. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes a while to find one. But if you really want to be free, and you really want to go to heaven, and you really want to have victory here on earth, then you have everything to gain by surrendering your life to him. But it's a choice only you can make. No one can make the choice for you. Your mom's not going to pray you into heaven. Your priest is not going to pray you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. There's no Bible to back any of that up. It says you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was the son of God, died for your sins, and rose on the third day. It always comes back to John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's anybody, Jew, Gentile, white, black, it doesn't matter. God don't give a rip about any of your cultural crap. He cares about the person that you are that's living inside you. Whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then 17, that's John three sixteen In verse 17, it says, I didn't come into this world to condemn it, but to save it. Romans 8, 1 says, now there's no more condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It's okay to be a mess. That's the thing you don't hear in church. It's okay to be a mess. You don't have to be perfect. But you got to get your heart and your motives Correct. Because God's never going to bless a mess. That's just the way it goes. He's never going to bless a mess. You come to him a mess. He tears you apart in about a thousand different pieces and then slowly puts you back together into something that is much more beautiful and much more satisfying than you ever thought that you could be. He's not okay with your sin, but he's made provision for it through what Jesus did on the cross. But grace does not make sin safe. But when our heart and our motives are correct, then we have nothing but grace and mercy from God. He does understand your struggle better than you do. He does understand your sin. He does see the intentions of your heart. He weighs all those things out. He's not a jerk. He's not looking to jack your world up because you can't get it right. None of us are getting it right, okay? Let me just let the cat out of the bag. The most respected people that you know in the faith are not getting it right. We all miss the mark. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. So my request to you today is don't let, don't let your fears and your anxiety and the things you don't understand about God keep you from entering into a relationship with God and taking the time to learn all those things and to work all those things out in your faith. It takes time. I've been in this for, I don't even know, 25 years, and I still learn something new every single day. God reveals something to me all the time that I never seen before. I can read the same scripture that I've read ten thousand times, and on the ten thousandth first time, God will show me something different in that scripture that I have never seen before. That's the beauty of of His Word. He's not some fairy tale, and the stories of the Bible are not just nursery rhymes. He is exactly who the Bible says He is. And all of hell is fighting to keep you from believing that one simple fact. I tell people all the time, you can sum the whole Bible up with two words. Trust me. Trust me. That's what I'm going to challenge you to do today. Trust him. If you want to enter into this relationship, we can handle that right now. Just just pray this prayer with me right now. And if you're already a believer, pray this prayer again, because I am a firm believer in first fruits and doing them over and over. I've given my, I heard somebody the other day give, give this analogy. They said that when they were in their 20s and came to the Lord, you know, they gave their heart to the Lord, you know about, you know, once every year or two. When they were in their 30s, they gave their heart to the Lord about twice a year. You know, in their 40s, they were giving their heart to the Lord about twice a month. And when they're in their 50s, they were giving their heart to the Lord about every other day. And by the time they got to retirement years, they were giving their heart to the Lord two or three times a day. Unconditional surrender never gets old in the eyes of God. He wants to help us be the best we can be, but it requires that unconditional surrender. So pray this prayer with me. Lord, Heavenly Father, there's so much about you that I don't understand. There's so much about you that I just don't get. I still have doubts. I still have questions. But I'm hearing the words that JR is saying, and they're resonating in my spirit, and they make sense to me. And these are the things that I need in my life to have confidence in you. So, Lord, I thank you for this podcast, and I thank you for bringing this across my path because it's obviously pointing me toward you. You know the conflict in my heart, Lord. You know the things that I struggle with. You know the mountain that I have to climb to call myself a Christian. Lord, I give all that to you right now. I openly confess that Jesus was your son and that he did die on the cross of Calvary for my sins and that through that sacrifice, I am made whole in your eyes. Through that blood, I am washed clean, white as snow, so that I no longer have to live a life of guilt and shame. And then Lord, You took it one step further in raising from the dead three days later to empower me from on high with your Holy Spirit so that I may have a comforter here with me and so that I may have resurrection power working in my life each and every day, Lord, helping me get over the struggles and the trials that I have to face in my pursuit of holiness. Lord, I confess that you are the only God worthy to be praised, that you are the God most high. Lord, I praise you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for reaching into my mess with this podcast and inviting me into a personal relationship with you. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Take all my hopes and my dreams, my ambitions, my stress, my anxiety, my panic disorder, my addictions, my negative habit patterns. Take it all, Lord. I give it all to you. I release all these things that have held me bound up and I just hand them to you. Lord, I thank you for lifting my burden. Lord, I pray that you send people across my path to help water the fields of discipleship in my life. Lord, I pray that you lead me to a church that can love me just as I am and to people who can understand my walk and understand my my path, understand the world that I've come from. Lord, I recognize that that may take some effort, but I am confessing today and making a commitment that I'm going to make more of an effort to try and connect with a good church. Lord, I pray that you help me in that process and you send me to the right place and you put the right people in my life so that your glory can shine through me and shine through everything that I do. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Guys, if you prayed that prayer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or, or uh I'm real easy to find. If you just Google Jr. Everhart, you'll you'll find me. Uh, I have you know a personal Facebook profile, and then I run four or five other pages on Facebook. So I mean, it's real easy to find me. Send me a message, and let me let me know what's going on in your life, and you know let me help you get connected to some people that can can help your your walk with Him. Uh, maybe you're in a church that's grown stale you know maybe you're in a church where you're not getting fed anymore you know i've been through that several times throughout my life um i think it's i think it's healthy for us spiritually um to sometimes change the church that we're in because sometimes we get stuck in a rut with a church especially when it's specifically run by one or two people um you know, I don't think it's God's will for you to spend 30, 40 years in that church and not be getting fed new revelation each and every, every time you go to church. Um, so maybe you need to find a new church. Maybe you need to, you know, um, visit some other places and, and get some fresh revelation from some fresh people. Um, I'm not saying that you can't go to a church for 30 or 40 years, because I know some churches that have, you know, an army of pastors on staff and they stay fresh and they're bringing fresh revelation to the pulpit every week. So if that's the case, you know, praise God, you know, that's awesome. But if that's not the case and you feel like that your, your walk with God is kind of plateaued and you're not getting answers to questions you have, it might be time to start looking for another church. So, I pray for you that way, guys. Could you please subscribe to my podcast and please leave me a five star review uh wherever it is that you listen to podcasts um Apple specifically is uh, um where most of my uh most of my listenership i think comes in from um you know leave me some comments if you have any questions, you know I do listener question podcasts. From time to time, uh, I love answering questions. I love answering the hard questions. you know, um feel free to leave me questions in the in the review section. That's fine. Um, you know, share this with someone you think uh, can be blessed by this. The whole purpose behind this podcast is just for God's glory to shine through my life and into this world and try to bring hope and answers to those that are struggling uh with the faith um, so yeah. Yeah, subscribe, share, review. Please help me out here, guys, okay? Let's uh, put this message in front of the people who really need to hear it, okay? I pray that you're having a great week. In Jesus' holy name.